Hello and welcome to Deep Dive. We hear a lot about the positive societal impact of meetings, but how much do individuals gain from chairing or just attending academic conferences? How do you measure the value of meetings in this sense? My guest today is Thomas Trust Hansen, who defended his PhD thesis on this very subject earlier this year. Thomas, welcome to Deep Dive. Thank you very much, James. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about your thesis, the impact of uh, academic events. But first, can you just give our listeners a, a brief summary of your career uh, so far? Um, you've had some experience of organising events yourself and were supported by wonderful Copenhagen Convention Bureau for your PhD, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, actually, I started my career in the Danish Ministry of Science. Uh, and as a young civil servant there, I, I got the chance to be involved in a in a large event called the Euroscience Open Forum, which is, I, I believe it's Europe's largest science policy event. It attracts about 4,000 participants, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Nobel laureates, uh, uh, different science policy makers and so forth. In Denmark, we had the edition in, in 2014, and we even had the Queen open our, our conference and sort of around the the core of the conference, we have uh, you have a, a science festival, and and mm-hmm. we had fifty thousand participants for our our science festival. So it's a it's a pretty big event. I was so lucky to get involved in this uh, at a very early stage. I was sort of the second member of the delivery team, and honestly, it was a bit of a life changing experience because being the one of the core organizers of this event. I got a chance to build uh, my network. I was speaking to a lot of different people in this science policy environment. And all of a sudden, I became a bit of a go-to person. If Mm -hmm. other people in the ministry wanted to talk to the journal Nature, then I would be the obvious person because I was uh, dealing with the media partnership with Nature on this event. Or even within the European Commission, there would be special people that I would have a chance to go to that that others didn't. And basically, my my connection with them was that when they had been in Copenhagen for for the preparation of this event, I would have shown them a bit around, maybe taking them out for a dinner. And these kind of personal connections really made a difference for me. Right. So inadvertently, you find yourself uh, in a position of real influence then. Yeah, there's really something going on here. And I mean, I shouldn't be allowed to have this kind of uh, these kind of <laughs> personal connections. I was sort of the youngest civil servant in the ministry. It would be I mean, it was more for for people way more experienced than me. Yeah. But but this sort of having this physical event really made a, a difference for me. And when it kind of was lacking towards the end of the event, and, and or at least the preparation of it, we started wondering, has anyone ever evaluated on these kind of things? And that, this was back in 2014. We started looking into it, and we couldn't really find a lot of evaluations that were looking at, at these kind of aspects. And then we, we drafted a, sort of a proposal for how you could... Um, how you could evaluate it. But to be honest, the bosses in the ministry said, hey, come on, guys, we'll mm. never do this again. This was mm. a one-time event. There's no need to evaluate it. Uh, it. It's obviously a huge success. We don't really mm. need to learn a lot because we won't do it again. Um, and therefore, sort of the expanded the evaluation proposal stayed in, stayed in the drawer until I spoke to wonderful Copenhagen a few years later. And they said, 
Thomas, we are actually really interested in this and we would be willing to fund uh, a PhD project looking into these kind of um, more qualitative aspects of uh, hosting events and, and the yeah. benefits of it. That's interesting. Obviously, you uh, mentioned wonderful Copenhagen. I think they're they're sort of in the vanguard of this attempt by the meetings industry to bridge that gap between academia, uh, industry and themselves. But uh, we'll get back to that later. Now, you, you, your study makes the case for academic events having a positive professional impact on attendees and especially the meeting chair. A lot of people might think that there would be a treasure trove of research on this, but you discovered gaps in the literature around as you say, the qualitative impact of academic meetings. Uh, why do you think that was? Did that surprise you? Yeah, I really think it falls between two chairs here in, in the sense that there's a, a research field called science studies, which explores mm. how science works, um, when something becomes science and how scientific knowledge is transferred from within academia to society. And this area of research is really a growing area and, and quite important because it's sort of, it's supposed to be the backbone of, um, of or it, should, it provides knowledge on, on how we fund universities and research environments and more broadly. Uh, and so that's, but that area hasn't really looked into academic events. And on mm -hmm. the other hand, you have event studies, which is sort of a sub-branch of tourism studies. But here, the focus has really been on what you could call festivals and sport events and Mickey events and uh, maybe the more colorful kinds of events yeah. uh, that, that has been the, the, that has attracted the core of, of academic interest. So in that sense, I think academic events have really been been overlooked as a as a research field and it's a pity mm. because it, it's really important i mean any academic will will testify to the fact that that academic events play a major role in in the shaping of, of research landscapes and mm. in personal careers and just to be clear at this stage uh when we're talking about academic events i think your thesis identifies four subcategories um, and one of those is Congress. So uh, I'm assuming that an international association meeting around the life sciences, for example, uh, would qualify as an academic event in this sense. Absolutely. So I, I include any uh, meeting which attracts active researchers. So it could mm -hmm. either be researchers that are uh, privately employed or, or publicly employed, but active researchers that come to an event to share uh, research-based insights. So that's my definition of, of academic events. Right. And when you start to unpack how we actually measure impact, um, you talk about how attending a meeting can enhance a person's credibility. Uh, this is the word you use as part of your analytical framework. Um, you talk about the cycle of credibility or the credibility cycle. Can you just explain a little bit more about what that means? Yeah, so it, it's really, it's one of it's a concept that comes from, from within science studies and um, it's a way of describing how academics produce value because one could, well, the, the concept really thinks of academic work as a continuous cycle of transactions or uh, transactions of what is called credibility. And mm -hmm. to give an example, when a scholar produces uh, an article, this article is put in a journal and having this article out in the public 
the article is actually converted into recognition and this mm -hmm. recognition is another form of credibility and this form of credibility recognition is can be uh, transformed into uh, a grant when you apply for for money and the money is another form of credibility which can be transferred into PhD students and these PhD students can transfer their work into data and the data can be transferred into arguments and the arguments can be transferred into another article which again can be transferred into recognition so it's sort of it's a cycle that describes how academia basically works that you that you produce one kind of value or in this uh, concept credibility which is then mm -hmm. transformed into another form of value and that's basically what academic work is yeah so it's important to think of credibility um as part of a process an evolving process not not a fixed entity that can be quantified no and, and it ch it changes form that's sort of the the core idea that that mm -hmm. academic work is not the same currency so to speak you're you're changing the currency of your of your work throughout the process okay and then you you hone in a bit further on these three specific areas of credibility which you identify as networking buzz something you call buzz and recognition um how did you land on those three aspects uh, of credibility and and how difficult was it to prove they really made a difference because this stuff is a bit slippery isn't it it's quite difficult to quantify absolutely no but but this is based on a lot of interviews with researchers so mm -hmm. i basically asked researchers to share detailed accounts of the events that they had participated in mm -hmm. and asked them so what did you invest in this kind of event? What did you bring to, to the event? And then what did you get out of it? And we have spoke, I've spoken about, I think it's about 200 different events with, uh, wow. with 50 researchers. And based mm -hmm. on these conversations and these interviews, I was able to sort of pull out these concepts of recognition, uh, buzz, um, and network as the core forms of credibility related to academic events. Talk a bit more about uh, buzz, because I think a lot of people, when they hear that word, maybe just imagine uh, a feeling they get when they walk into a large, a large meeting, a sort of uh, literally a, a kind of buzz. But is there more to that in, uh, than meets the eye, or? or... Absolutely, yeah. So, so these three are, yeah, they are the main forms of credibility related, and and buzz is is interesting because it it was highlighted by so many of my interview in, interviewees. But and what it really relates to is this feeling of where the their research field is moving. So it's this understanding uh, of what is going to be the next big thing, who just got the uh, a big grant. In, in what direction will they be working? What is sort of the next buzzword to be included in an article for it to be published? Where did this feeling of where the field is actually moving? And it's like, it's this kind of informal knowledge that you can't read anywhere. It's not been put into print. It's, it's just, you know, it's what you hear and what you put together. And it gives you this an idea of, uh, of where you should be moving your research yourself. And, Meetings are really important in this sense because they are sort of uh, they are at least half a year before things are being put into print. So the mm -hmm. articles that will come afterwards, they are sort of they are half a year 
they, they, they're sort of half a year behind the current bus. So if you want to be have this updated feeling of where the your field is moving, you really need to uh, to go to these kind of events. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And you also, in your thesis, you're quite careful to draw this distinction between uh, attending a, a meeting and actually chairing chairing a meeting. Um, uh, and you're very clear that chairing a meeting involves that bit extra um, credibility. And that it should perhaps be taken more seriously by by academia. Yeah, I think there's a chance here to think more carefully about who should chair events and under which circumstances. There's clearly a, a potential for especially emerging researchers to chair mm. events. It, it seems like emerging researchers benefit a lot more from chairing events than more senior researchers do, because as a as an emerging researcher then you might not have the same kind of international network, the same kind of recognition as most senior researchers do. And mm. putting yourself on this platform, which is of organizing an event, you, you sort of, you get a, a, a great chance to, to build your, your reputation. So maybe in future, chairing a big international uh, life sciencing event um, may have the same cachet as... Uh, publishing a peer-reviewed article or, or, or maybe not quite? No, I don't think it's going to be quite the same and no. I don't think it should be the same. I think it should be, but it should be part of maybe association's way of, of uh, choosing new chairs. It shouldn't be something which goes around between the most senior noble researchers in the association. It should right. be a chance given to people that are immersion in the field and might have something new to to uh, show and and have a and who can use this as a platform to advance their career right so it should be a more instrumental choice rather than just a star names i think it should also be a bit of a strategy for universities in second or third tier cities so mm. probably people will come by and have an idea of what london is or what copenhagen is but if you're in the University of Bergen in Norway or the University of Aalborg in Denmark, you probably won't have a lot of people coming through your city. And chairing an event is also a chance to sort of show your your community and sh- and give it a feel of what is uh, how would life actually be in in this in this city. And I think that's really important when you want to rec- recruit researchers that they have an, a feeling and an idea of of what it's like to be in, in, in that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a, a study, which is not included in the PhD, specifically on this, asking uh, all foreign researchers in, in Denmark on how, uh, on whether they had visited Denmark before the, the decision to continue the career in the country, and mm-hmm. whether events had played a role in, in sort of bringing them to the country in the first place. and. The numbers were quite extraordinary, especially outside Copenhagen. So in, in the smaller cities, conferences and events had really played a role in, in sort of attracting their future staff. Really? Oh, that's really interesting. I know um, Business Events Sydney did uh, similar research. Has, has, has your research been published at all? Uh, yeah, I think actually Wonderful Copenhagen already has published it, I think. Oh, has it? Okay. Yeah, yeah and I think the difference between Sydney and this study is that 
in Sydney, they are asking the attendees at an event whether the attendees could think of Sydney as a future destination for their career. And yeah. this is obviously a relevant question, but in this case, in the Danish case, we kind of did it a bit differently because we asked the, the foreign researchers that had actually chosen to be in Denmark what their sort of path to Denmark had been. Right, so it's a slightly different uh, slant on it. Now, obviously, your thesis talks about the implications for the meetings industry uh, itself. You suggest that a deeper partnership approach between the industry and academia would be mutually beneficial. Can you uh, expand on that a little bit? Yes, yeah, so I think academia can definitely benefit from the meetings industry. First of all, it already does. I, I think the meeting industry is actually kind of a research infrastructure for for academia on the level uh, of CERN. Like one couldn't imagine academia uh, of today without the meetings industry. You couldn't have conferences, uh, events and so on without mm -hmm. a meetings industry. And in that sense, it's that's like laboratories or like uh, large scale observatories. These kind of things are actually the, the backbone of a well-functioning, uh, a, a well-functioning academia, but the meeting industry can do more for academia because mm -hmm. it's also clear that uh, academia is struggling with uh, gender inequality, mm -hmm. and events are one of the platforms where 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 recognition is is. Uh, exchanged as I, as I show. So by insisting on having some kind of uh, gender conscious uh, events, the meetings industry can actually help academia overcome some of the gender inequalities or making mm -hmm. it more uh, possible to bring families to, to events and providing this kind of infrastructure is also one of the areas where the meeting industry could actually help uh, academia. So you could insist that um, panels, for example, at a meeting have a have a equitable mix of of people rather than uh, what we call them now manals, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Just a whole a whole row of men, which you still see. You, you still see an awful lot of that, even yeah. in industries where there are plenty of women working. You yeah. still see. Um, Five white dudes on the and, stage. And I think the meetings industry is well equipped to actually take on this role because the meetings industry can sort of take good ideas from one field and bring it to another. I mean, mm -hmm. the meetings industry is the only industry that actually specializes in, in meetings and events. And mm. this is where knowledge is being built up. This is where the innovative uh, capability is actually residing. Because at yeah. a university, you would have a, a professor who, who takes on the task of organizing this event. But just like my experience in the ministry, it will be a one-off. So there won't really be this building and of capacity and experience and learning from one event to the other. It has to be the meeting industry that, that sort of builds this capacity and, mm. and brings on the knowledge from one event to the next. And yeah. actually taking their, their own uh, field serious and, and building up the knowledge and, and maybe also sort of the, the frameworks for evaluating the events. This is really, in my view, core tasks for the, for mm. the meetings industry. Yeah, that beyond tourism dollar, it's interesting. The, the meetings industry seems to be locked in a cycle now of trying to 
um, explain its role in the world, um, position itself uh, away from um, you know bed nights and uh, and tourism to something to something more meaningful. Um, legacy uh, is the word that the uh, meetings industry is very fond of. But uh, you conclude in your thesis that ultimately you think that word might be a bit um, a bit pointless, um, or at least not very helpful. Can you? Can you explain um, why, why you think that? Yeah, I, I think the meetings industry should really shift its perspective. Uh, it's very inward looking. Just the concept of talking about beyond tourism benefits, when you're really talking about how network, uh, how researchers network, build reputation, produce knowledge that changes the world. So if you have a, a cancer conference where uh, where knowledge about cancer is being uh, advanced and then the meetings industry has the arrogance of calling it beyond tourism benefits. Now, I'm, I'm mm. sorry, it's actually, it's the tourism which is uh, sort of the, the subsidiary or the, which is sort of the second order value being created. And I think mm. the tourism industry should acknowledge this, that it's a supporting uh, sector. I mean, it's really just helping others do what they could, what they do. And right. uh, so I, that's also my problem with the legacy word, that that's a, yeah. it's a very much internal word for the meetings industry. I think we should find kind of a, a vocabulary that, that makes sense for our stakeholders. And mm. in the academic world, the word is impact. This is sort of the, the buzzword that everyone is talking about. Any university will have an impact strategy. Uh, uh, any ministry will think how the research sector is creating impact. And mm. so I think we should really sort of use the vocabulary that works, that, yeah, that works for our stakeholders and which makes more or less immediate sense for our stakeholders instead of uh, trying to build a vocabulary that, that makes it possible for us to to speak within the, the meetings industry. And this is actually really important, isn't it? Speaking in a language that your stakeholders understand um, and not internalizing everything. Um, so you've been um, working on this thesis for, for three years and I uh, you successfully defended it last month. Um, and all this was taking place just at the same time as meetings all around the world simply stopped. Um, what what impact do you think this will have? And I'm talking about the coronavirus pandemic. What what in, impact do you think this will have on on academic meetings um, from now on? Do you do you think there will be a, a permanent shift to virtual, or do you think the face-to-face -face element is is actually critical i think the move to virtual events is is inevitable now people have mm -hmm. seen that uh, virtual events work for in a lot of circumstances yeah um, and I, I think the meetings industry needs to embrace this and acknowledge that it's not for everything that uh, an event should be held um, sometimes it doesn't make sense to bring people together face to face mm -hmm. But hopefully this crisis and this lockdown of the world will also show that there's something missing, that face-to-face -face interaction actually makes a difference in a lot of circumstances. It makes a difference when trust needs to be built. It makes a difference when bus is going to be transferred. 
uh, when network is going to be built. Yeah. And in that sense, a lot of I think my my analytical framework can actually be used to analyze the difference between virtual uh, events and and online events. Yeah, what it could do is help people filter out what is uh, discretionary um, about travel and and face-to-face meetings and focus more on adding value to the face-to-face element. And hopefully that could could, um, improve meetings, make them more more beneficial for everyone but uh but thomas um so what are you doing now you obviously you've you've written this thesis um what what are your next steps yeah so i kind of uh, shifted my my focus quite uh, radically I, i'm i'm working for the danish ministry of foreign affairs in uh, and i'm supposed to be in shanghai working on danish chinese uh, science policy so basically supporting Danish researchers who want to do research in China and, and Chinese researchers who want to do research in, in Denmark. So it's still about science and it's still about yeah. the face-to-face interaction and creating connections. And obviously events play a, a major role in, in creating these connections. Well, your uh, contribution to uh, academia and the meetings industry has certainly not uh, gone un- unacknowledged and we... Uh, we thank you for that. But if uh, if people still want to get hold of this um, thesis, um, can you let us know how they can do that? Is there a link somewhere? Yeah, yeah, on the website of Wonderful Copenhagen, I'm pretty sure that there's, or on the sub-site on the CVB of Copenhagen, I, I think the thesis is available. So via uh, the Wonderful Copenhagen website, that's great. Okay, I'm sure lots of people will be downloading, downloading that. Um, so, was there anything else uh, before we have to say goodbye? Yeah, just to say that that uh, wonderful Copenhagen is uh, yeah, has the thesis, and they've been following this work very closely. So, if anyone wants to continue in this line of work or work on some of the thoughts, it's really um, Katrina in, in wonderful Copenhagen that they should get in touch with because she will be able to sort of. Um, to bring this uh, work on. Great stuff. Okay, Thomas, thank you very much for your time and good luck in Shanghai. (laughs) Thank you, James. All right.